Good morning again. Uh, this time our, our kids are going to be dismissed for Children's Church. And so if they want to head out that way, three years old through second grade, I believe we're having it this morning. Um, I haven't been around much this week, so <laughs> I think we're having it. There's also a nursery uh, in that building uh, for, for our little ones and a cry room in the back. So if you need any of those options, uh, you're welcome to take advantage of those this morning. We are glad if you're visiting here with us today. It's good to see you. Glad you're here and uh, glad to see everybody here today. Uh, I'm going to introduce our speaker in just a minute, but first I want to say um, just thank you to everyone for all of your, your calls, texts, food, uh, Facebook messages, everything else uh, since Ashley's accident on, on Wednesday. Uh, as Kelsey said at the beginning, if you didn't hear, she broke her leg at the bottom of her, basically right by her ankle on Wednesday, and so it's been been a, an interesting and eventful few days for our family. So I can't say thank you enough just for the outpouring of of love and support and, and encouragement from everyone. It has truly been been a blessing for uh, for our family uh, and especially for, for Ashley. And so I had to talk her into staying home this morning. She wanted to come and be here um, and hear decent preaching. Um, and so... <laughs> Uh, but she, she, I convinced her to stay home because I said, "There's your foot is not connected in any any meaningful way to your leg, so if anything hits it, it just sends sharp pain." So I said, "There's too many opportunities for it to get bumped or knocked or whatever." And if she's up for it, she's been able to get up on up and on it and do different things. So she's able to get up and around every once in a while. But if she's up too long, it gets to swelling, and so I just. I convinced her to stay home. So she's home, but she is able to get up and around and wanted to be here and uh, was ready to get out of the house. But she does have surgery tomorrow, and so it'll be a, uh, a long process from there. But uh, thanks to everyone who's offered help and support. And I've tried to respond to, to most of you who have reached out. If I missed you, I apologize. But um, we're, we're very appreciative of, of everything that's been offered. Uh, and so it had already been set up that, that Doug was going to preach this Sunday, and I was originally going to use this week for some different stuff and studying and looking ahead and that type of stuff, and so I didn't get to as much of that as I'd originally planned, but that's okay. It was good that I'd already had uh, someone else scheduled to, to preach this Sunday, so it was one less thing I had to think about. Uh, and so Doug Page is, is going to, uh, to share a lesson with us today. Uh, Doug and I worked together for a little while in Huntsville um, and some of you may remember, if you were here a Wednesday night a while back, I did something that Doug and I had actually done together at Doug's church in Kaufman about uh, was Jesus an introvert or an extrovert. That's something that Doug and I had done together because uh, I followed Doug in youth ministry at Huntsville. He transitioned to a different role there. Doug is very much an extrovert. I am very much an introvert. And so those mixing of styles was interesting for our ministry, for our church, and for our relationship. But we developed uh, a, a great relationship through that and have remained uh, good friends since then. So uh, it's, uh, it's a blessing for me to be able to have Doug and, and come share with us. I think you'll enjoy uh, hearing from him and hearing his heart uh, for people, uh, for God, and, and for ministry. And so I want to pray over Doug uh, as he begins and, um, and then turn over to him. So Doug, if you'll come up here and, and pray. Our Father in heaven, we, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the ways in which we see uh, your, your grace and your mercy and your love um, in the ways that, that you have connected uh, different bodies of, of your people through Jesus. So this morning, God, I'm mindful of, of the Kaufman Church of Christ and for those who, uh, who Doug ministers to and shares life with on a regular basis and pray that you, uh, you bless them and, and, uh, and their people, their efforts, uh, and, 
for Doug and uh, his family's efforts there and, and the, all the different ministries that they have going on there. I pray that you bless them. And we're grateful, God, for, for the idea that at this time across this country and many different and across the world in many different venues and, and places with many different expressions of, of faith and, and worship, uh, there are people gathered praising the name of Jehovah. And so we lift up your name this morning and, and pray that you would speak through Doug um, and that you would uh, open our, our hearts and our minds, our spirits uh, to your word and to what we may learn through the story of your people uh, across generations. Uh, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. I'm uh, grateful to be here with you guys and appreciate Warren inviting me to be here today. Um, we're going we're gonna to be in Acts chapter 8. If you want to find that on a phone or an actual Bible, if you carry one still, uh, however you want to find Acts chapter 8, we're going to be there in a minute. Um, Warren is, is one of my dearest friends, and as he said, when our paths crossed and we were able to work together, um, just the relationships, as, as many of you know, that you have opportunities to form with people uh, as you work with them. Um, that certainly was the case with Warren and I, and, and our wives uh, also became very close. And uh, so I'm so grateful to you uh, for the way that you have welcomed the Gray family and uh, specifically Warren and Ashley and their kids to this church. And I'm excited about what God is doing among you, and Warren's been sharing with me some of the things that he's excited about, about uh, this church family, and so I'm, uh, I'm going to be praying for you as well, and I'm honored and excited to be here today. So before uh, we look at Acts 8, I want to tell you about a, a story. Uh, a few years ago, <clears throat> our family read a book together. The book may be familiar to you because it's, it's now been turned into a movie. If you didn't read the book, you might have seen the movie. Um, the book is, is, the, is a story, it's called Wonder. And um, it's easily one of, for me, one of the better books that I've read in a while, better stories that I've read in some years. And if you're not familiar with the story, if you are, this will kind of be a, a refresher. But in the story, the central character's name uh, is Augie Pullman. And he's a, a boy that was born with several genetic abnormalities. Uh, he dreamed of being kind of a regular, ordinary kid, but due to the way that he had been born, and after about 27 surgeries, um, his, his, and those surgeries resulted in such extreme facial deformities that people who would see him for the first time would often react, um, kind of a, what he described, what's described in the book is kind of that look away thing, where they would look and then they would look away and they would take maybe a second glance. And so it's, as the book begins, it tells a story and it says, whatever you're thinking about Augie's appearance, it's probably worse. You've seen the movie, you may have a picture in your mind of, of that, but who knows exactly, right? And so Augie had been homeschooled uh, his entire life, but after turning 10 years old, his parents decide, you know, it's time for him, uh, to, to, for them as a family to take the step and, and for him to go to a school called Beecher Prep instead of being homeschooled. So just imagine for a moment, looking disfigured to the point that every time you step into public, people turn their heads and look the other way, or they stare and maybe have some sort of, you know, fear as they look at you confused about your appearance. Imagine a boy that had been excluded his entire life, wanting more than anything else to feel welcome and included by other people. Imagine a boy who had been treated 
like his condition and his appearance. Uh, he wants to be treated like they don't matter, but every time he steps into public, he's treated, he's reminded that for other people, they do, they do matter. So there's this one part of the book where Augie and his parents go to a school play because Augie's older sister, Via, is in the starring role of this play. And at the end of the play, the whole crowd gives Via and her co-star, Justin, a standing ovation. And this, this is what Augie said. He says, I clapped until my hands hurt. For a second, I imagined how cool it would be to be Via and Justin right then, having all these people standing up and cheering for you. I think, he says, there should be a rule that everyone in the world gets a standing ovation at least once in their lives. So in Acts chapter 8, Luke tells us about another person who knows what it's like to be excluded. And we first learn about a guy named Philip back in Acts chapter 6 when he, along with Stephen and about five other people, were chosen to help carry the message of Jesus forward. But by the beginning of Acts chapter 8, persecution has broken out in Jerusalem, and it's so bad that many in the church in Jerusalem have scattered all over the place. And so I'm going to read just the first few verses of Acts chapter 8. It says, on that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned for him deeply, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word everywhere they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. So Paul is persecuting the church, going house to house, and followers of Jesus are getting scattered all over the place. And the story tells us that Philip goes to a city in Samaria, which is an area uh, that he grew up hating, and starts proclaiming Christ there, performing miracles and casting out all kinds of evil spirits. And then at some point later, God does what we're going to read next, beginning in verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explain it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, from his, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. 
As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being, my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized them. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So there's a lot to know about this guy. First of all, he's from Ethiopia. So he's wrapped in a different color than Philip is, for sure. And we know that he's a high-ranking official in the Ethiopian government, and he serves under the queen. He's something probably like, maybe like the finance minister of Ethiopia. He was some, you know, he was, we, we know he has access to, to money because he's riding in a chariot and because he has a scroll of Isaiah, or at least a partial scroll, which you only have if you can purchase one. And we know that he's educated because he can read, which is significant considering much of the world was largely illiterate at the time. He's, he's also a foreigner, and he's interested in the God of Israel, and has just come from Jerusalem, where he went to worship this God, only to discover, once he arrived, that there was a problem. When this eunuch got to the temple in Jerusalem, he learned that he couldn't get into the temple because he's a eunuch. And back in Deuteronomy, the law stated that no one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. Now, this might be too much information for you, but it's important, so bear with me. Plus, it's in the Bible, so there's that. Eunuchs were not always eunuchs by their choice. Sometimes eunuchs were this way because of some act of sexual immorality. But in most cases, they would become eunuchs before puberty and would then be assigned the job of working around the women in the royal family. Because if they were eunuchs, they wouldn't cause any problems, right, if you catch my drift. And what his situation means is that he will not gain access to the temple. As a Gentile, this man wouldn't have been able to go beyond the court of Gentiles, but at least he would have been able to go in. But now he can't enter at all. So this man, important from the place that he comes from, finds himself excluded. He's traveled hundreds and hundreds of miles to worship only to find out he isn't even allowed in the temple. He's been rejected. He's been humiliated. And while he sits in his chariot mulling over in his mind what's just happened in Jerusalem, his exclusion from the temple, and now over this confusing passage of Scripture in Isaiah, the angel taps Philip on the shoulder. And while he's reading aloud, Philip hears him and asks this great question, do you understand what you're reading? To which the man responds, how can I unless someone explains it to me? And he invites Philip into his chariot. Barbara Brown Taylor in her commentary on this story says that for an example of what's happening here and how shocking it would have been that these two men would have been together, we have to imagine a diplomat from another country visiting Washington, D.C., and he's just invited a street preacher into his late model Lexus for a Bible study. And when you imagine that, you have a picture of Acts chapter 8. So they sit in this chariot, and Philip sees this man is reading Isaiah, but what's really significant that we miss, I think, at our first kind of reading of this story 
is the particular passage of Isaiah that this man is reading. Let's look at it again. He's reading about someone who was like a sheep that was led to, a, led to the slaughter and who in his humiliation was denied justice. You can hear in his question that he's wondering, what he's wondering is like, is Isaiah only talking about his experience or is he talking about my experience too? The Ethiopian man has just experienced humiliation and he's just been denied justice on your own sometime, just go look at the trip that he would have had to make just to get to Jerusalem. And now he's wondering, like, is, is his journey all for nothing? Philip sees an opportunity and joins him in the chariot and begins with that very passage of Scripture, the story tells us, and explains that the person that Isaiah is talking about is Jesus. Jesus, Philip says, was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb before the shearer is silent, so too Jesus was silent and did not open his mouth when he could have. It was Jesus that was humiliated in his suffering and his death. Now, if you will allow me some creative preaching liberty, because in my mind, I want to take it for just a minute, because in my mind, we know Philip began with that passage. But in my mind, as I imagine what happened next, Philip didn't stop his drive-by Bible study with Isaiah 53 which is where that passage is from. I think that Philip kept going to Isaiah chapter 56. Because listen to what Isaiah says just a couple of chapters after what this Ethiopian eunuch man was reading in his chariot. He says this, Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, The Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. Did you hear what Isaiah said? Isaiah imagined a day where because of the coming Messiah, eunuchs and everyone else Everybody else that often gets pushed to the margins of society would be welcomed fully and completely by God. And what this moment in Acts 8 means, Philip says to the Ethiopian, is that now Isaiah has come true. Everyone is welcomed into God's new family. What this means, Philip says, is that now there is nothing that can separate you from God. But just then, the eunuch asks another question. And if you know the story, I want you to imagine for a minute that you're hearing it for the first time because we know this story well, many of us. But if you listen closely to the way the Ethiopian eunuch asks his question, I think you get the sense that his question comes with a bit of apprehension. You hear a little anxiety in his question. Will he be rejected again? Is the good news really good for him too? Is there really nothing that can separate me? The NIV, which I read, says, why shouldn't I be baptized? But I think you hear the fear of rejection more in the NRSV translation that says, what is to prevent me from being baptized? It's all about which words you choose to emphasize. Is there really nothing preventing me? 
What about my sexual status as a eunuch? Will that prevent me? What about my foreign nation? Will that prevent me? What about the fact that I'm not a Jew? Will that prevent me? Are you sure, Philip, that nothing will separate me from the love of God? And at one point in his life, Philip would have responded. And that's what I want us to hear is at one point in his life, Philip would have responded to those questions Questions like this by saying, well, actually, there are a number of things that would prevent you from being baptized and being welcomed into the family. But today, because Philip can see the new thing that God is doing, Philip comes up with no reason that prevents him. So the chariot is stopped, and they go down into the water, and Philip baptizes him. And the first Gentile convert is welcomed into the kingdom of God, and he's given full and complete access to the God that he had originally come to worship. And when Philip baptized him, Isaiah 56 comes true and is fulfilled in Acts chapter 8. Salvation really is for everyone, it turns out. Good news really is for everyone. No one will be excluded. God is doing a new thing, and it started with this moment and this man and God giving him a new inheritance. And what Isaiah coming true means this morning, church, is that in Christ, the center of the kingdom of God is no longer a temple where some people get excluded. The center of the kingdom of God is now a table, and everybody has a seat at Jesus' table. Everybody is welcome. Your background and your past and your sin do not exclude you from the communion with God. Those that thought they were excluded now are invited by Jesus himself. Jesus really is good news for everyone, which brings me back to the book and the story, Wonder. After a long and strenuous fifth grade year, Augie Pullman, complete with all of his physical abnormalities, he completes the fifth grade, he makes it successfully through his fifth grade year. And at the end of the year, his school has an award ceremony, like, like many schools do. And to Augie's surprise, the principal, Mr. Tushman, gives his calls his name at the ceremony and gives him an award for winning Student of the Year. And as he walked to the stage, this is what he said, and I'm just going to read an excerpt from this book. He says this, as he walks to the stage, he says, I think I was smiling. Maybe I was beaming. I don't know. As I walked up the aisle toward the stage, all I saw was a blur of happy, bright faces looking at me and clapping for me. Everyone was woo-hooing and whistling for me. I felt like I was floating, like the sun was shining full force on my face and the wind was blowing. And as I walked up the steps to the stage, the most amazing thing happened. Everyone started standing up, not just in the front rows, but the whole audience suddenly got up on their feet, whooping and hollering and clapping like crazy. It was a standing ovation for me. His whole life, he'd been the kid that was pushed aside and avoided and excluded. But now he was an ordinary kid, welcomed by all into the community that he so deeply wanted to be a part of. And that is news so good that it calls for rejoicing. Welcome to the kingdom of God. The only place that I know of on, heaven, in, on earth or in heaven that actually is for everyone. A place where no one is excluded and everyone is allowed entrance. That is why this Ethiopian goes on his way rejoicing. 
Because he knows that those who were previously excluded now have received this good news that God has included them and they are becoming a part of the ever-growing circle of people that make up the family of God. And maybe this morning you feel far from God. Maybe you've never made a decision to give your life over to Jesus or maybe you've had very little to do with Jesus. Or maybe it's mostly had to do with the fact that you weren't convinced that the good news really was good for you too. Or maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time and today you need to simply be reminded that it's still good news for you too. It isn't just good news one time. The fact that God is available for everyone is good news every single day. And no matter what you've been told or heard, the truth is that Jesus really does love you. And that God's standing ovation for you and for me is that he sent his son Jesus Christ into the world to rescue all of us from death and to welcome us fully and completely into his kingdom. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful for the truth that the table is set and that there are enough seats for all of us. And we're grateful for stories like this that remind us of that reality. We pray, Father, this morning that you will help this truth to sink deeply into our hearts as we remember and are reminded that the good news is really good and it's available for everyone and that there are no, no, there's no thing that can separate us from that love, no mistake, no, no part of our past, no, no thing that's going on now, no doubt, no fear that separates us from you, that you're here with us and we're seated at your table. We're grateful for this promise and we pray in the name of Jesus, our host, and the church said, amen. I want to invite the band back up on the stage, and we want to move into uh, a time to begin uh, preparing our hearts to share the Lord's Supper together. And as, as they come up, I just want to say again that <clears throat> the center of the kingdom of God is now a table and not a temple, and that's part of what we do is we gather as the church, as the body of Christ each week. We get to partake of bread and wine, and we get to remember that everybody has a seat at the table. And there's, no, there's no passport checking at this to get to this table. Everybody's welcome. When we come, we come and we ingest the grace of God. And the table, every time we come, the table is made ready for those who know Jesus and those who want to know Him more. The table is made for people who have much faith and people who have little faith. The table is made for those who have been here often and the t those who have never come. The invitation is simply to come and have a seat and be blessed by the head of the table, Jesus. Let's worship together. Feel free to stand or sit or however you worship best in this moment. sadness from wherever you've been come broken hearted let a rescue begin come find your mercy oh sinner come near earth has no sorrow that heaven can heal earth has no sorrow that heaven can heal 
We confess to each other and to you, our Creator, that we fall short of being what we were created to be and what we have committed ourselves to be. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of Christ. We often seek out the easiest paths, the paths of least involvement in places where we might be uncomfortable or paths of self-centeredness. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of righteousness. We confess that we have not loved you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. Bring us out of darkness, Lord, and into the light of your love. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of light. Forgive us for getting so caught up in the world's trappings and its false messages of hope that we lose sight of the hope of the kingdom, which brings healing and peace to a world in turmoil. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of peace. May we resolve to become more kingdom-minded, be peacemakers here and now. Amen. Amen.